0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Homecoming podcast. For those of you who don't know, Homecoming is a platform that provides the space for Asians, Asian Americans, and mixed heritage Asians of all backgrounds to share their stories, experiences, and insights about a variety of different topics. Everything from affirmative action to political engagement to Asian representation in media. I'm your host, Angel Reina, and thank you so much for tuning in today. So, for this episode this Saturday, I am going to let you all in on a little secret. When I was in middle school, I was obsessed with pageants. And if you knew me back then, you definitely know this is true. I watched every single Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Universe for like four or five years straight i talked about pageants in school all the time people like olivia colpo and pia wurtzbach were like my idols and i think all of the beautiful dresses and the makeup and the glam and the attention and wealth like all of that everything about pageants was just super exciting and intriguing and I'm not I don't know if many people know this about me, but I even participated in a statewide pageant um, back in middle school, which is really funny to think about. Um, But it was like a very, you know, it was like pretty chill, like it wasn't like Miss Teen USA or anything. But as I went about high school and now that I'm in college, um, I sort of inherently got busier. So I just wasn't able to dedicate that same time to watching pageants consistently. But I also had the chance to learn more about the history of pageants and had the opportunity to think a little bit more deeply about what was happening in the pageant world, um, some controversies that, you know, occurred within the industry and what pageants really represented. And I think now um, with the knowledge I have, I do have a lot of questions about the pageant world. Um, frankly, from an outsider's point of view, I just, you know, I just don't like the idea of having like super skinny um, white women who can model, who look great in a swimsuit, who are able to wear heels, be the standard of beauty, and what a woman should be, how a woman should act, and what a woman should look like. Um, but You know, maybe I do hold a lot of misconceptions about pageantry. I don't know what it's like to be a contestant um, in the pageant world or what it's like to be a title holder. And I am always trying to keep an open mind about these sorts of things. So because I have this sort of foundational knowledge about pageants and I would love to put some of the questions and issues that I have and that others out there probably also have to rest I thought that it'd be great to engage in a conversation with someone who is super familiar um, with the intricacies of the pageant world and can also speak super honestly about their experiences. So, that is why today on the podcast, I have Marianne Bautista, who is currently the Miss Washington Teen USA. And in this episode, she is going to talk about her experiences as an Asian American in the pageant world what she's been up to during her reign of Miss Washington Teen USA, diversity within pageantry, um, what she thinks the future holds for pageants, and so many more topics. So, Marianne, hello! Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, Before we do, formal introductions on here. How are you? How have you been since we last chatted?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having for having me. I did not know that you were such a huge pageant fan. I feel like it's just so rare to hear of people who are uh who watch like all of the pageants yet have not competed in them themselves. Um but thank you so much for this opportunity just to be able to have such a great conversation about pageantry and and its world. Of course. Yeah, I honestly like if like People from you know back in my middle
0: school, elementary school days, like know me. They definitely know like I was super obsessed with pageants. Um, <laughs> but like after I went to high school and college, like didn't talk about it too much. But I'm still like super interested about like you know the intricacies and the details of the pageant world. So super excited to talk to you today. Um, so first things first, I will allow you to introduce yourself um, in your own words. You can mention things like your name, pronouns, where you're from, where you
1: live, where you go to school, um, ethnic background, really whatever you want to share with the listeners. Well, my name is Maureen Batista. I'm the Miss Washington Teen USA, but I will be giving up my title very, very soon. I I am from Seattle, Washington, uh, but I went to high school at Phillips Academy Andover, and currently I'm at the University of Washington. And my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I identify as a Filipino American. Perfect. Thank you so
0: much, Mariam. And also one thing I wanted to add to all the listeners, um, just wanted to say that um, Marianne will be, you know, sharing her own experiences as a title holder today. Um, but, you know, that is not necessarily representative of like other people's views about the pageant world. It's not representative of, um, you know, like other title holders' experiences or views. So, you know, she's just going to be candidly speaking about you know, her her experience, her story, um, and also maybe like, you know, firsthand things she's heard and, and knows about the industry as well. Um, but yeah, just keep that in mind as we proceed through the episode. Um, but Marianne, okay, so we've got a lot to talk about. So let <laughs> us start from the very beginning when you first started getting into pageants. So, When and why did you start getting into pageantry and what kind of pageants have you participated in throughout the years?
1: Well, I first started pageants when I was around eight years old, and the main reason why I joined is is because my parents wanted me to learn skills such as public speaking or, or having an interview or having stage presence because that those were experiences that they weren't able to have when they were younger, and they wanted me to be able to learn that so that I could apply those type of skills in the future. So the pageants that I join are natural pageants. Uh, you may be familiar with toddlers and T.R.s, but those are not the kind of pageants that i joined those are glitz pageants uh some of my friends have joined those but i've never tried them uh, and this main this pageant system that i joined the first one was national american miss and i was able to learn those skills and they even had a talent portion which i w- i thought was pretty cool so that i could practice singing on stage but then later on i tried out the Miss Teen USA system which I'm a, for which I'm a current representative of and I had joined Miss Washington Teen USA for a couple of years and, and I on my third try and uh, there are different types of pageant systems uh, and each with different phases of competition that focus on different aspects uh, to determine their title holders. Well, Marianne, fun fact. I also joined the National American Miss
0: Pageant. That was the one that I joined that's back in middle one.
1: school. What? Yeah. Oh yep. my
0: gosh, no way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely had a lot of fun. It was definitely very fun. So yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I did
1: not know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um that's super cool to hear about like all of these like important skills that your parents wanted you to learn um you know I think you know that that may be one thing that people may tend to like glean over um because you know people think about pageants and they automatically think like toddlers and tiaras um you know something that's very like appearance based but they don't often think about like the skills and the stage presence and the public speaking uh, skills that you also learn. So that's really great that you were able to uh, learn th- learn those types of things as you have, you know, proceeded through pageants. Um, I also wanted to ask um, why you ultimately decided to participate in the Miss USA, Miss Teen USA franchise instead of mm-hmm. things like um, Miss America. Like, I think they also have like a Miss teen also within their franchise um and also this may be something that the listeners don't know like can you ex- sort of explain the difference between these two franchises and other pageant franchises that may- that might be out there
1: yeah so there's the umbrella organization the miss universe organization are or also known as muo and um they oversee the Miss USA and Miss Teen USA franchise Miss Teen USA is for a younger division um of of teens and for the misses uh, a little bit older and that change and that also determines the different phases of of competition that they compete in and once you win Miss USA for your state then you can compete in Miss USA. And if you win Miss USA, then you go on to Miss Universe to compete against the other countries. And MUO is a huge organization because it has so many fans, huge fan base. And every year, these fans watch Miss Universe and root for their countries. And so you have countries from all over the world and fans um, from all over the world who are watching this one big event. So it's basically like the Super Bowl of <laughs> for pageantry.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the Miss Universe organization is definitely super huge. And like millions of people tune in to listen every year. So it's absolutely crazy. Um, but You know, as as you mentioned before, like as a sort of a representative of the Miss Teen USA organization, um, can you tell the listeners what Miss Teen USA is all about? What are its like objectives um, and what are some like, I don't know, like what are some important
1: things about Miss Teen USA that you feel like the listeners should know so the motto of the organization of, of MUO is Confidently Beautiful, and it's Miss Teen USA is an outlet to demonstrate that you are confidently beautiful, and it's a, a platform to empower teens and allow them to speak about issues that are relevant and affect their generation, and it also gives younger girls a, a role model and someone to look up to and as I mentioned, a a representative of teens of our generation. Yeah. So you have
0: been Miss Washington Teen USA for the past year plus, because I think you're like the Miss Washington Teen (laughs) USA got like postponed, right? Because of COVID. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so far, what have been the most rewarding um, and what have been the most difficult parts of um, your reign and of being a pageant queen so far?
1: I think it's so rewarding to be able to spend time with people in your community um, and having a crown gives you a microphone and it allows you to speak about things that mean a lot to you and also to your family and to your community in general. And What's really heartwarming is whenever I interact with younger girls, because once you have a crown, it, it looks really cool. And, and also, um, it's almost like being someone who they can look up to. And and that means a lot to me to be that representative, be that role model for them. I guess one of the most difficult parts of being a pageant queen in in general is just being able to balance your schedule. Because you have a very busy schedule when it comes to appearances. Um, and since I had a title in in Washington State, and I was going to school at Annover, Massachusetts, I had to fly back sometimes just to be able to represent my state well. But I had to find ways uh, to represent Washington from the other side of the country. And mostly I did that through through social media and online platforms. But when when it comes to being a title holder, you also have to prepare for the national competition. So I really had to spend a lot of my time prepping for that since it's one of the biggest events as as that state representative. You spend the whole year basically prepping. I think I started interview practice uh, for the interview competition almost a week after I was crowned, I started calling my coaches already. I I think the hardest part for me, honestly, was learning how to do my hair and makeup. Because fun fact, I did not know how to do my hair and makeup for my state competition, uh, which is almost unheard of. But yeah, I would have to say those are one of the most difficult parts of being a title holder
0: awesome yeah and to go back to what you said about having to juggle like being a title holder with going to school um and like going to school across the country at that right like that is absolutely crazy because like Andover is such a the like, everyone is busy there right like everyone has so many things to do and i can't imagine like having a, like having responsibilities as a page <laughs> queen on top of that so like how you know, how were you able to manage, um, like balancing being a title holder with also being a student at such a rigorous place? And also, like, I'm interested to know a little bit more about like that dynamic that you may have had with like your peers at school. Um, Do you feel like people held like misconceptions about you as a as a pageant
1: queen there as well? Well, at Andover, I had already learned how to ban to balance my schedule, and since pageantry is considered another activity of mine, and it and it means a lot to me, I was I was willing to incorporate that and set aside a certain amount of time for that. Um, as for the dynamic, there were definitely a lot of. Uh, preconceived notions about pageantry, I had a lot of questions from my peers about the swimsuit competition in particular. I know that's a big thing on on everyone's mind. And just being in a community where um, that has a lot of um, intellectual, smart people uh, who may regard pageantry as uh, an activity for that is superficial Um with people who may not have a lot of knowledge. um, I thought that was just interesting because that's also that's just a misconception when it comes to uh, being a pageant title holder that you may not have a lot of knowledge or um, you're super feminine um, stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sure, you know, there are definitely a ton of stereotypes floating out there about like what a pageant queen like what it means to be a pageant queen and a title holder. Um, But it's also like cool to see, um, I don't know, like people like you who are able to juggle all of these things and like be a super intelligent and sharp person, but also be able to do all these cool things as a pageant queen as well. Um, I also want to give you the chance to talk about um, your community engagement, community service platform, because... Um, Every title holder, I think, within the Miss USA, Miss Universe, Miss Teen USA organization and probably and I think also in Miss America as well, they have a community service platform that they champion and sort of advocate for. And um, I know that you have neurological disorders as your platform, and you've spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time this past year doing a lot of community work um, in Seattle and in Washington. So why did you choose um, neurological disorders as your platform? And what kind of work have you done so far with it and uh, within your local community?
1: Well, what I love about the Miss USA system is that you don't have to solely advocate for just one issue, because as a representative, you are also uh, speaking out about all issues that affect your generation. And uh, the main reason why I chose neurological disorders is because I have an aunt um, who is living with cervical dystonia, and I wanted to raise awareness about what it's like to live with a neurological disorder. And that just because you have a disability doesn't necessarily mean that you are less capable um, than others. And the title has allowed me to work with other organizations along the lines of that, um, such as the Miss Universe partnership with Best Buddies, if you're familiar with that. So it has allowed me to work uh, with others who also share that same interest. Great. Thank you. And I know,
0: you know, you have also included a link to um, an Instagram, like you have an Instagram uh, page in the Miss Washington Teen USA bio uh, that, you know, I think it's like a neurological disorders organization. So I definitely encourage people to, you know, look that up and follow like the incredible work that you've been doing. Um, But I also want to talk about the Miss teen usa competition that you participated in uh, during the winter you briefly mentioned um, a couple of questions ago that you spent like a year preparing for it or like many 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 months so um, can you tell the listeners and tell me more about like what preparation for the miss teen usa competition exactly
1: consisted of well, there are different phases of the competition that you're judged on. Um, and the national competition is is like the state competition, just, just amplified, bigger stakes, I guess. Uh, so there's uh, the formal wear competition uh, where you walk and sort of model a gown on stage. Um, and that is to judge your elegance, poise and stage presence. And then for teens, you have the fitness work competition. Uh, so that is demonstrating your healthy lifestyle and your confidence on stage. It's it's different for the missus since they have swimsuit, but recently they changed it to a fitness competition. Then you have an interview. And interviews were th- different this year since they were over Zoom, which was totally weird because I've I'd been used to interviews where I just go in front of a panel physically in a room and um, I'm asked questions, but this time it was with uh, the CEO of the Miss Universe organization, Miss Paula Shugart, and I was able to have um, a one-on-one conversation with her. So that was totally different since it was virtual over Zoom. I had to learn <laughs> how to have an, a virtual interview. Um, and those phases of competition just uh, allow uh, the judges to, to pick uh, a title holder that is able to represent uh, the whole country. So I interviewed with coaches over um, phone calls, over Zoom, uh, just to practice for the whole year. I had to practice my walk because there are different types of walks uh, for formal wear and swimsuit. There's even an on-stage onstage uh, question portion for the top five. So just in case I got into the top five, I wanted to be able to answer that sort of question since they're a little bit different from the interview. Uh, so there are so many different parts that I had to prepare for, even my wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> since I was going to be there for a week, I wanted to have a nice put together wardrobe for that as well.
0: Wow, yeah, it definitely seems like a lot of work. And I remember like watching uh like Miss like pre Miss USA, Olivia Colpo, but then she became Miss Universe. Um how she was preparing for Miss Universe, like with all these like different walks and like even how to sit in an interview. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this is there's just there's just too many, there's just so many details in this world that I just I just don't understand and, like, won't be able to ever do, Um, but it seems like a lot of preparation that you had to put into it. Um, How did the actual pageant go, and, like, what were, like, some fun things and, like, memorable moments or stories from your time at Miss Teen USA?
1: Well, the national pageant was at memphis uh, tennessee and that was so exciting because we stayed at the graceland uh the home of elvis presley um and that was really exciting because we got to see uh, his home and also the huge venue and although we didn't get to do as many activities as they would have typically done in a traditional Miss Teen USA um, we had to alter it a little Uh, but the whole week was filled with rehearsals (laughs) a lot of rehearsals but yet we didn't get to go on the actual like physical stage until I want to say the day before, um, and all, because all the routines such as the opening number and even the walking pattern, you learn there. Um, so I guess in the preparation it's just important to keep an open mind when it comes to that, because everything can change once you get there. Um, it was pretty hectic, quite honestly, um, at Miss Teen USA because, of. sometimes they would just tell us the schedule uh, schedule changes like 15 minutes before um so I only had like 15 minutes to get ready sometimes or, or even just change my outfit or uh, change my hairstyle uh, so being at Miss Teen USA really teaches you to keep up on your toes all the time <laughs> yeah and I know you also won Miss Congeniality which is super exciting
0: like girl you're like you're a real winner, honestly. Because um, wait, do you want uh, do you want to tell the listeners what miscongeniality is?
1: Yeah. So miscongeniality uh, could be described as as uh, someone who is approachable to everyone, who is who is kind and helpful and supportive of other girls. And I think it's really important um, to give that award because in in pageantry, uh, it's very competitive. Uh, and I think it's it's always fun to recognize that um, whenever it's pageant weekend.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely congratulations on winning that, Marianne. Um, I think I also want to ask you um, about how you're able to maintain your mental and emotional health as a pageant um, queen. Um, because I think, you know, you're in an industry where you, it seems like you always have to be super positive, energetic when you're like answering questions. You have so many press interviews that you just have to be super energetic. And also you're in an industry that is based on appearance. I would say, um, unless you, you know, want to like say, you know, totally feel free to say something different about that. Um, but yeah, how, how are you able to sort of maintain your mental health and your like self-esteem and self-confidence
1: in this industry? Well, I think that pageantry has changed to not only be about um, just your your physical appearance. So so that has helped my m- mental health a lot. Uh, but the way I like to maintain my mental health is, is and self-esteem is just being self-confident and knowing what I'm capable of. And I think that can be achieved through lots of practice. Um, I know that for the interview, I really had to learn about myself. And you'd be surprised how how much I had to learn about myself for, for the interview competition, even though it's just like a couple of minutes of questions. I wanted to be able to demonstrate my authentic self and to be able to show that as a title holder. So I think in an industry where it's it may seem like it's only um, external looks, it's also important to know yourself worth and know what you're capable of.
0: That's great. Thank you, Marianne. Um, and I think now we can sort of transition to talking about um, some deep and maybe controversial issues within the pageant world um things like diversity um like the history of pageants and stuff like that um but first thing that i want to ask you in this section is uh what are some of the biggest misconceptions do you think people have about pageantry like pageantry or pageant queens that you would like to uh, squash
1: I think one of the most evident misconceptions would have to be um, just the beauty and beauty pageants because I I know at least before pageants are are frequently referenced as as beauty pageants and with that it uh, it is thought that the most beautiful girl has to win the pageant. But nowadays, the definition of beautiful has changed drastically. And I anticipate that will still change in the future. In addition to that, I think it's that queens have to be super feminine. Uh, But in reality, they're always finding ways to challenge beauty norms. um, And that is definitely not the case.
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually, that sort of like I don't think I've ever thought about it that way I feel like I've always thought about the pageant world as something that is pretty restrictive in terms of how they define beauty but I guess you could also like flip it around and say that like all these like different women from different backgrounds who are joining the pageant are also sort of redefining beauty um and like what it means to be beautiful as well um So yeah, something for me to think about. Um, But let us talk a little bit about um, like the history of pageants. So I've been reading up on the history of like Miss America, for example, and, you know, a bit on the Miss Universe organization's history, Um, but I just feel like there is a lot of uh, sexist and pretty racist history in the pageant industry. I know for Miss America, like, um, black women weren't allowed to enter until like much later than white women. And, you know, I think it's pretty easy to look up like charts of specific body types that would win something like Miss America. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode like I just don't really understand how like being able to model uh, or like look good in a swimsuit translate into like what it means to be a good role model for other young women if that makes sense. So how have you been able to reconcile with the pageant industry's history? and um, you know, feel free to touch on anything that I just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I can start with the history of the Miss Universe organization, as many people may know that uh, Donald Trump did own Miss Universe organization. And in that Trump era, it, it was sexist and, and racist. Um, and I think the current Miss Universe organization has accepted that sexist history and foundation and since then have been actively trying to learn and change uh, the standards of beauty and as for the fitness competition, um, and as I touched on just uh, recently that in for the teen competition, they changed uh, the swimsuit competition into a fitness competition, which I'm all for because I feel like teens are more likely to be seen in fitness wear rather than a swimsuit. Um, but this fitness and swimsuit competition isn't necessarily to determine a good role model but instead it tackles a part of what makes a pageant title holder which is which is confidence and I've always thought of that phase of competition to be a challenge because it demonstrates how confident women are in their bodies to be able to walk across the stage in a bikini which isn't something that a lot of people are able to do and people outside of the pageant industry may think of it as a way to sexualize the contestants, but it's more of a test of, of confidence and, I believe, a form of women empowerment. And over the years, that phase of competition has become more diverse and in, in representation of of different bodies in comparison to the past. But I still think that there's a lot more to be done in the future, because I'd, I'd love to see a more uh, diverse set of bodies on the Miss USA stage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to touch on um, diversity in a bit. But actually, on this point of confidence, um, why, like, it, it, for for you specifically like why do you feel like passions have made you more confident
1: hmm. well i used to have stage fright and it was really really bad stage fright and it's and i used to perform on stage to to sing since that it's an activity i really like to do and i almost stopped singing because i was so scared of of getting up on stage and being able to sing in front of a crowd but after competing in pageants i i learned how to overcome that fear and i couldn't think of a a, a different way that i would be able to practice that um since it's such an essential part of being a title holder being able to speak in front of a crowd, um, and carry yourself. And I think that's just a unique part of pageantry that, uh, you wouldn't be able to learn anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I think just like something that I've been thinking about a lot, um, and I'm going to be like super, super frank here is I feel like my self-confidence has definitely like hit an all time low during this quarantine period. Um, And I was just thinking like, I I always love to just imagine myself in like a space, like a pageant or like, I've been watching a lot of reality TV, so like (laughs) a reality TV show where I'm just surrounded by like wealth and glamour and beautiful dresses and like all of this attention. And I was thinking like, hmm, like if I, like if I have to put on a pretty dress and put on makeup and heels in order for me to be self-confident, like then maybe my self-confidence issues like are rooted in something different. And something like entering a pageant or like wearing a pretty dress is just an escape, if that makes sense. So,
1: I don't know. Like, well, I think it's the glamour aspect of pageantry and and putting on makeup is a way for girls to get in touch with with their feminine side. I that's I think that's the the case for me is that. Um, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a princess, as silly as it sounds, uh, but there, being up on that stage and walking in a dress uh, just is so special and is such a unique feeling to have a lot of people just being able to look up and admire at um, admire a dress that demonstrates your personality um, and just all of your like unique qualities and, and being able to just admire that image. I think it's just such a special feeling for me that I love chasing. And it's, it's not more of a way for me to feel self-confident, but more of, I feel confident and i love to be able to get on a stage and, and show others that. It's it's more of a, a performance type. I like to equate it to singing, um and performing in musical theater. I think of it as uh, two similar things. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I I you know, I'm not trying to generalize or like project like my self confidence issues on anyone. Um, but that's definitely like something I was thinking about um but I guess like you also you know as I as you mentioned before like you also gain a lot of self-confidence from just like learning about yourself um in those like interview questions and like prepping for that and also just being able to like have great conversations with people and like having those like public speaking and in conversation skills as well um But I also want to ask you about diversity within pageantry, and we'll also get into your um, specific experiences as a Filipino-American. But how have you seen the pageant world uh, shift in its priorities and its values and what they look for in pageant winners as you have participated in different pageants throughout the years?
1: Well, the pageant industry has become so much more diverse than than in the past. Um, Traditionally and and just historically, pageants have played into um, upholding European beauty standards, Um, and in a way, this this also relates to how I got started with pageantry, because um, in the Philippines, uh, where my parents are from, Pageantry is super popular, and part of that is because of the Filipino colonial mentality, Um, and because of pageantry's history and upholding those type of standards. You'll just notice that um, a lot of fans are from the Philippines, and you'll also notice that most of the representatives from the Philippines. in the Miss Universe competitions, are half European or have European standards, and I guess in competing in pageants, I've learned to challenge this um ideology because even though I may not fit the beauty standards of uh, Filipino fans, I still continue to compete to change that mentality um that. You don't have to have a specific look to be beautiful enough. And so many other pageant queens are doing that now, which is allowing uh, the beauty standards to change in the pageant industry. Right. And I think that's also like, it seems like a pretty
0: unique, um, a a pretty unique challenge that pageant queens who have roots in other countries besides the US face, um, like having to sort of like getting judged by people in like your like parents country or your, you know, you know, your like ancestral home. I don't know if that's the right word, um, but also <laughs> being judged like based on like Western beauty standards as well. Um, so that is definitely like a very unique challenge that I feel like um, a lot of like Asian Americans probably face um, in the pageant world. But Like, how do you also feel like the pageant industry is doing in terms of body type diversity?
1: I'd like it to be more diverse. Um, I think that the pageant industry is changing. It has gotten better, uh, but I'd like to see it work towards an accurate representation of who people are today because, um, beauty standards are changing. And, uh, while the pageant industry is constantly working towards that, um, I feel like it's also up to the fans to change their mentality because although the judges are choosing uh, the title holders um, and so so is the organization as a whole, it's also the fans who have a lot of say on who is their representative and, and who they support um, and what type of systems they support and also um, just backing up the contestants. So I think once the ideology of the fans start to shift, then so will our title holders and and representatives. Gotcha. Okay, so 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 you would say that like
0: members of the public generally have like a large sway on um organizations like Miss Universe and like how they run their organization.
1: I think so. I think that uh the Miss Universe organization would would love to have a lot of fans who, who pay attention to, um, this, this great competition. And if a lot of the fans are, uh, supporting certain contestants or, or even, um, just rooting for that change in beauty standards, I think that they can do it and they can have a say, uh, to be able to, to alter that, um, that standard. Yeah, and I also definitely
0: want to touch on um, like class diversity as well. Um, I know like some pageant queens have spent like thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, trying to compete, uh, you know, paying for like coaching and stuff like that. Um, But also I'm sure there are other pageant queens who don't spend thousands and thousands of dollars in competing as well. So um, I guess like, would you say that like there is like class diversity within the industry um and also do you feel like pageantry in the world like sort of lends itself to requiring
1: like people to pay all this money to succeed i think there's a wide range of socioeconomic classes that are represented in the pageant industry you don't necessarily have to be uh, super rich or have a lot of money to uh, buy a very expensive gown because I can tell you that you can buy a a cheaper gown yet look amazing on stage because of how you portray yourself or um, how you have how your stage presence radiates Um, and so it's not all in the dress or in uh, the expensive outfits that you wear, but how you wear them. Um, in addition to that, a lot of pageant organizations are now considered scholarship organizations like the Miss Universe um, organization. I know a lot of contestants there compete to be able to have a scholarship. So certain organizations provide um those kind of opportunities for the competitors.
0: And um, I guess like sort of a broader, like all encompassing question when it comes to diversity is, do you feel like pageants force people to be monotonous in terms of how you should walk, how you should speak, how you should present yourself, how you should look on stage? Um, Because I feel like this is also probably a pretty big preconceived notion, misconception maybe about pageantry.
1: Yeah, a lot of coaches have a secret formula. But when it comes to pageant weekend, you honestly just don't know. It depends on what the judges are looking for. Sometimes they'll be looking for a very seasoned veteran of the pageant community. Sometimes they're looking for someone fresh, someone new, someone who's natural. So, all you can hope for is that you're being authentic in your preparation and um, you're showing your true self in, in the interview and on stage. Um, and when it comes to the, that phase of competition, you just leave it to the judges. Yeah, and I think
0: that is also like another... I don't know, issue seems like very aggressive, but like issue, I guess that I've been thinking about when it comes to pageantry is like, who are these, like, who are these people who are judging women, um, and like determining who should be the winner and like the representative of, um, you know, the particular state or county or area or whatever,
1: um, well, for my state pageant, my judges, uh, for the most part, I believe, had not judged a pageant before, which is very interesting because um, I'd, I've i always thought that someone who's very experienced in pageantry would be the one to join pageants. But uh, that's not the case, because I feel like the audience also gets a sense of who the next queen will be after seeing their performance on stage? Uh, however, the audience doesn't get to see their interview and and that's a different story. But you do get um judges from of different ex- experiences of different backgrounds to judge pageants.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that because I remember like watching um Miss Universe where Pia, Pia, Wurtzbach won. And I feel like everyone mm-hmm. sort of knew. Or
1: like at least most, a lot of people probably you knew that she would feeling. end up. Yeah, you just yeah. feeling when you're in the audience. Um, I I don't know how to explain it. You you just see them and and it's like they light up on stage and I don't know. You just get a sense.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely. Like the type of energy and like confidence that they sort of like exude and radiate. Um, mm-hmm. So you okay. So I just want to make sure. Like so you would say like in sort of like the. Donald Trump Miss Universe organization era it was like based on looks but you think that since then like the organization at least has progressed beyond that
1: yeah and we've had such amazing title holders who have done incredible things during their reign and have been a great organization and contributed to that change in representation Um, And I anticipate we'll see more of those types of title holders in the future. Great.
0: And now I think we can talk about, um, you know, your experience as an Asian American uh, within different pageants. So, yeah, I think we touched on this before with the whole like Western beauty standards thing. But um, how like how has your experience been as an Asian American and even if you want to speak specifically as like a Filipino American, um, do you feel like you've had to grapple with like stereotypes or like Western beauty standards in, in, in your history within pageants?
1: Well, it was interesting for me when I started competing in pageants, um, and as I continue to compete in them now, because there are times where I find myself the only Asian American competing, uh, because, well, here in the U.S., it's, pageantries are as popular amongst Asian Americans. That's a different story, though, when it comes to the Philippines, but um, I... It, was It was a weird experience for me at times, um, but I learned that as a title holder more than ever, I wanted uh, to be that person for younger girls um, to to look up to and, and see that I'm someone who looks like them. So title holders like Pia Bag and Catriona Gray have definitely inspired me and showed me that I'm capable of being miss universe as well that i don't need to lo- look a certain way to be a pageant title holder and now pageantry has really changed into finding a girl with emotional intelligence rather than her what what she looks like on the outside
0: yeah and i'm curious like did you ever feel like intimidated to join a pageant because If you were Asian, like I'm not sure like how diverse Washington is, but at least I live in Missouri and I know Missouri is just not diverse at all, or at least the city Mm -hmm. I live in. So if I were to decide to join a pageant, like I always think about that and I'm like, oh, like it it seems very scary as an Asian American to join (laughs) something
1: like that. Well, I have joined pageants where um, I was the only person of color, and uh, that was in a different state. I I was able to compete in Massachusetts uh, once, um, and that was interesting because Washington State is super diverse, and yet I was still um, a part of the minority here. So, um, yeah, that was was kind of a weird competition then. Yeah, and um yeah, I know like
0: at least the Miss Teen USA this year uh is half Filipino, which is super exciting. Um but yeah, go Keelani. but um I want to ask you like if you have any thoughts about um like why pageants may not be as popular amongst like Asian American communities um and like why there isn't that much representation. Asian representation in pageantry.
1: I think it stems down to those to those beauty standards, um, and I think what's important to note is that if you're an Asian American who's uh, joining a pageant system, you're contributing to that change in in changing those beauty standards, and it's important that Asian Americans keep joining so that the fans and the organization will see those types of title holders and those types of competitors Um and I hope pageants will keep changing and, in- and trying to steer away from just one type of beauty, and since they already have now, I think it's it's amazing, and it should just like keep continuing. And it all starts with um, Asian Americans and other people of color just participating, putting themselves out there, and just joining those uh, competitions.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So we can move on to the next question um, that I'm excited to ask you about um, because I. I think for the past few months, especially, we've seen a lot of, like, social media activism, performative activism, you know, we've heard sort of those terms um, floating around a lot recently. Um, But I want to ask you, like, do you feel like title holders have historically cared about social issues? Like, I'm sure they care. But do you feel like they've been super outspoken about, um, you know, things like racial justice, social justice, a diversity within the industry? Um, and yeah, overall, like, have you seen a lot of uh, pageant queens and title holders speak out about, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, BLM, anti Asian sentiment, and violence, capital riots, you know, all of these current events?
1: Quite honestly, no. And I think a lot of people outside of the pageant world sees that as well. Um, and it is concerning because title holders are um, spokespeople for for these types of issues and they should be talking about them. Um, but all in all, they do care about these issues. But the thing that makes them hesitant to speak about them is um, and this is just from my perspective, not uh, trying to speak for other um, other contestants or title holders. But in pageantry, it's social issues are considered political, and if you notice in pageantry, they they try to take a neutral. Position when it comes to um, making statements of, about social issues, but I think after the many current events that have gone on for for this year, um, they're learning that when it comes to human rights, it it shouldn't be a political issue. And one of the most empowering moments, is, especially for me, was when uh, the Miss Universe and Miss USA, Miss Teen USA of of uh, last year, made a statement supporting BLM. And it was as if the whole organization, the Miss Universe organization, was making a statement. And a lot of title holders saw that, um, especially those that were staying silent. And that was a big moment because um, it's not often that you see a pageant organization making a political statement. But I know now that, that in the pageant industry, people recognize, especially on onstage questions, a strong title holder when she publicly broadcasts and and speaks out in support of a cause.
0: Yeah, is there any like is there any rule within the organization that says like you can't be like super political on social media and like during your reign? because I can imagine like if, title holders like make controversial statements like that could be
1: a problem for them like I don't know there isn't a direct rule but the thing is in in pageantry and just as a representative or or a public figure uh it's you just don't want to be controversial to um to different groups of people because you are representing a very diverse group. So there is no explicit rule. However, um, it can become a problem, but we're seeing now that um, Black Lives Matter is so important and it's important that everyone is talking about it um, and also any type of violence or anti-Semitism that we're speaking out about these issues and title holders are learning to do that today. Yeah, and I know like,
0: it It's, like, absolutely tough, especially when you have, like, people who can be super young title holders, like, I don't know, like, 15, 16, like, that seems so young. And to have, like, this huge platform and, you know, like, maybe feel pressured to make a statement about current issues and, like, stuff like that. Like, I, I, I can understand how that can be super intimidating, um, but... I don't know, like, I have never been in that sort of position before, so I can't say anything about that. Um, but I definitely understand, like, where that, like, hesitance may come from. But it, it, that is super exciting, as you mentioned, how, um, you know, people within the pageant world are starting to also lead those conversations um, amongst themselves. So that is pretty exciting for the future, I think. Um, Yes, last couple of questions that we're sort of approaching. Um, so, in the different articles that I've read about pageants, and uh, you know, Marianne and I were talking about this before uh, before we started recording. But um, I recommended like this uh, Michelle Carey uh, pageant series, and I definitely encourage you all to watch it on YouTube. I'll also put it uh, put links to it in the episode description. But, um, you know, one thing that her series also covered was like, are like, will pageants be relevant in the future as means of determining de- determining, um, you know, beauty and femininity, etc. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess for you, do you feel like pageants will be something that people will continue to
1: find relevant in the future? I think the big organizations in pageantry are shifting towards, um, are catering to the interests of the public. So many teens nowadays are politically involved, and the pageant industry is looking for a teen who represents the new generation. Um, so they're incorporating that aspect now in into pageantry, and and even before current events have always been a. Big part of of preparation in pageantry, especially for on stage question. Um, but as the interests of teens shift, so do the representatives and the competitors.
0: Yeah, I think that's like one of the big things that also, like, gives me some hope about like the future of pageantry is that you know there are like more and more girls and women from around the country of different backgrounds, you know, different races, um, who, you know, different body types, et cetera, who like feel inspired to join pageants and sort of, you know, um, what's, what's the word like shift the needle, um, and sort of push the industry, um, in a better direction. So I personally am super excited to see where that takes, um, pageants in the future. Um, But Marianne, last question for you. Um, Is there any advice that you would want to give to a young Asian American woman out there who is interested in getting into pageantry, but is, you know, maybe doesn't have the
1: self-confidence, not sure about participating, um, et cetera? I would just say to take the risk and to put yourself out there and, um muster up that courage uh, if if you're hesitant about joining pageants or, or just participating in the industry just know that you're contributing to the change and that you can be a part of that and in, in shifting those beauty standards
0: perfect thank you so much Marianne is there anything else that you feel like I didn't ask you that you want to talk about before
1: we get to like the last like plug all your social media stuff that was probably the deepest conversation I've had about pageants in a while. In a while. Okay, so I'm I'm all set. Those are really good questions. Thank you. All right, Marianne, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Last thing before you go,
0: I want to give you a chance to, you know, plug your social media, um, Miss Washington Teen USA social media and any upcoming events that you want to tell the listeners about.
1: Well, my personal Instagram is Maureen Batista with an extra A in the end. And I'm also managing the Miss Washington Teen USA Instagram account, uh, which is also on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, and one of our upcoming events in the pageants Northwest uh, division is the Miss Washington Teen USA pageant and USA pageant, where I will be crowning the next title holder for the 2021 year, uh, which should be in March, but uh, the date is undetermined for that.
0: Yay. Thank you so much, Marianne. I know I'm definitely like rooting for you. I mean, you already won. So like you're just giving the crown away. But of course, I'm always supporting you and all of your endeavors. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Homecoming Podcast with Marianne. If you like this episode, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Homecoming Pod. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms and leave us five stars and a positive review on iTunes. I will see you all next Saturday with a brand new episode with Yale University senior Mariko Rooks on her Black and Japanese American identities, her research in public health, and her work with organizations like USA Water Polo, the Japanese American Citizens League, and Changing Women.